You're listening to the Firefighter Success Podcast. Join us as we learn from successful firefighters and fire service leaders on how to achieve excellence. When lives depend on us, success is our only option. Well, we are back after a much needed break for yours truly. It was good for me to take the summer off and to concentrate my time on my family. Uh, thank you to everyone who reached out uh, during my hiatus, especially those who asked for more podcast episodes. And it is definitely good to be back in the saddle. Uh, and real quick, if you want signed copies of the Firefighter Success book or you want more information on a discounted bulk order, head to firefightersuccessbook.com. Now on to our guest. Josh Wells is an Arizona native who has been a firefighter for nearly two decades and he currently serves as a captain for the Sedona Fire District. In 2010, Josh took his first promotional test for captain and failed miserably. He was discouraged after this loss, but this set him on a quest to find a path to successful promotional testing. In 2016, Josh placed number one on the captain's test and was promoted shortly thereafter. And after his promotion, Josh helped many other firefighters reach the top of their promotional testing lists. Josh refined this system and then published the Promotion Playbook in 2020, which reveals a proven path to promotional test success. Josh is happily married to his wife, Faith, and the couple enjoy raising their three great kids. Captain Josh Wells, welcome to the Firefighter Success Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Jim. It's an honor to be here. I'm a big fan of your work, and it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah, ditto, ditto. I loved reading your book, and we're going to dive into that in just a little bit. Uh, but first, I have to ask you my favorite question that I ask all my guests. What is your definition of success? What does it mean to you? And how can every firefighter achieve it? Okay, so yeah, the first question is, what is my definition of success? What does it mean to me? And you sent these me, you sent these to me before we did this interview. When I first looked at it, I was like, "Whoa, man!" I was like, "I don't even know if I'm successful yet." Yeah, that's right. You have to define it first. <laughs> yeah, I'm still kind of figuring this thing out, and so it's one of those terms that sometimes can be a little bit. Um, it can mean different things to different people, so I think it's a good one to start with. And so I did some thinking about this. And to me, I came down to two, like two main things that I perceive success as. And the first one is the art of fulfillment that mm. like, if, if, if you're not like, there's kind of like an art and a science to success. And so there's science because there's specific metrics that you can follow. There's proven strategies. You can follow people that have walked the path ahead of you and get similar measurable results. But if you get those results and you're not happy, then I don't, wouldn't quite call that success. Like if you take someone who, um, you know, conquers the world, but then they're depressed and unhappy with life, or maybe more common in the fire service is someone reach, reaches the pinnacle of their career and then gets a divorce a week after their promotional test or whatever. It's like, I wouldn't quite define that as success. So right. like, um, so I guess there's kind of like the art is more of like a heartfelt reason and there's a quote from, um, from Jim Wooden, the UCLA basketball coach that really helps to define this. And he says, success is the peace of mind that is the direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing you did your best to become the best you're capable of becoming. And that was his, one of his methodologies is like, 
you don't focus on the scoreboard. You focus on doing your best. Yeah. And I think that yeah. comes with fulfillment is like, you don't attach success to an external uh, metric, you know, in terms of my book, it's like, whether you promote or don't promote doesn't necessarily meet that definition of success or that meaning of success. Like if you played full out, you give every single day, you show up and give your best to your, your crew, your community, and um, really give your best. That fits that definition of success. Then comes the other part, though, is there's also kind of like a more logical perspective on it, is that if, if you don't get the result, then and you're not able to achieve results in life, then it's kind. Then you could be fulfilled, but you might just end up sitting under a tree and being happy. Or you know, the, the concept of finding peace without the external uh, rewards. Right. And so, in terms of like how firefighters can achieve it, that's part of in the promotion playbook. I, I try to capture both of these. Is that um, you know mentioned to the heart level is that there's a, there's you know there's a bigger purpose. Uh, behind your promotional test in your career. But at the same time, there's also specific things you can do to get the specific results that you want. And there's a, there's a quote from Jim Rohn for this answer, which is success leaves clues. And that's something that helped me with my career is like, find somebody that has the result that you want and do what, uh, do what they did to get that same result. That's probably one of the biggest distinctions that if anybody's listening to this and thinking about promoting and you say, you know, for me to be successful at a promotional test, I want to, I want to place at the top of the list, get the promotion, but I also want to give and grow and um, have fulfillment with it. Um, that's one of, one of the biggest lessons is to find somebody that placed at the top of the list and do what they did or someone that did really well and follow their, their advice and do what they did. Mm. Yeah, I love that art of fulfillment. That is such a good point of, you know, maximizing our potential, pushing it further than we thought we could go, and then striving towards and achieving our potential. Uh, because I, I believe so many firefighters out there and people in general, they just don't even care or don't even try to reach their potential. Uh, and there's so much out there for them that they could be doing. But, you know, they're sitting on the couch twiddling their thumbs and they're content with just being mediocre. But uh, as I have a guest like you on this podcast and to those who are listening to it, uh, obviously, we are the ones who are, are pushing ourselves. We're striving towards excellence and trying to be the best that we can be. So well said, well said on your end. Uh, so bef before we get into the book, uh, I do want to talk about leadership. Uh, and, and if you could only pick one quality that is the foundation to becoming a great leader, what would it be and why? Okay. So if I had to pick one quality that's foundational to becoming a great leader, um, I would say to focus on other people as, a, as opposed to focusing on yourself mm, and to yeah. realize it, it's not about you. Right. And that it, picking one thing that, that to me is the most beneficial because with this concept of leadership, it, could have a potential sometimes of being like an ego gratification of like, I'm going to, I guess that the saying is like, I'm going to, instead of saying, I'm going to show you how great I am. Instead, I'm going to show you how great you are. And so having just mm. that, that shift in perspective and that shift in focus is that, you know, if you're showing up to shift and you're like, I'm the best firefighter, I'm the best engineer, company officer, whatever rank you have and trying to impress everybody, 
you're not going to get as far as if you show up and you're impressed. So it's like that saying is, is be impressed with others. Don't try to be impressive Mm. instead of trying to be impressing others, be like focus on other people and, and develop others instead of just be trying to win people over to thinking you're great. That's awesome. Uh, Focus on others, not yourself. And that really comes back to caring for others, building relationships with your team, comes to building others up, encouraging them, pushing them and helping them, you know, reach their potential, as we just talked about. And really, as a leader, serving others instead of looking to be served. Um, Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's that concept of servant leadership is like you, you're not you're not you don't have your job to have others serve you and, um, you know, gratify your ego of how great you are as a firefighter, paramedic, whatever rank. It's like it, it is all about service and that there's a, a element of humility there. And I think you mentioned compassion and empathy of being able to understand where people are. Right. And it, right. it ties in with that first part of of defining success is there's the relational piece of it. And then there's also the, the logical um, part to that too. It's like, there's really being able to understand people doesn't mean that you always have to agree with them, but you could at least understand and, and appreciate what their experience is. Mm, 100%. Now we talked about what good leadership is. Let's talk about what poor leadership is. So when it comes to those people that we know who are poor leaders, they're ineffective, you know, what do you see are the most common qualities or mistakes in them? Okay. So, so in terms of poor or ineffective leaders, I would say one of the, it's probably this, the opposite of, of what makes the good leader, the good leadership quality is that instead of focusing outward, they're focusing inward. And I would say the biggest flaw that I've seen is like this lack of authenticity. Mm. Like if, if they're not willing to be real and tell the truth about who they are or where they are, and they're constantly putting up a front and, and trying to, you know, like the opposite of that is showing up and trying to look good in front of others, trying to impress those below above them and maybe step on the ones below them. Um, or whatever it is they're trying to do is like, if, if they can't be authentic and be, you hear a lot of talk about like vulnerability, mm-hmm. being able to own their, their, but you have to own your strengths, but at the same time, you have to be willing to acknowledge that you're, you're human and you're not perfect and not trying to just put up a big front because yeah. that, that can be in the fire service, especially like withholding information and thinking that you have to be the one with all the answers can lead to some very dangerous um, scenarios. Mm. Yeah, that that's awesome. And you know, like you first said, being selfish and looking uh, to be served or, or looking to be the center of attention uh, around your team—that's that's not going to get them to follow you, and you're not going to influence them in a positive way. Uh, but your your comment about lack of authenticity—that's one hundred percent true because. Uh, as a leader, no one expects you to be perfect, uh, and no one's going to be perfect. Whether uh, you're leading as a parent or you're leading at the station, uh, you're not going to know everything. You're not, you can't be Mister or Mrs. Know It All. Um, and as effective leaders, we have to accept the input of our teammates, and that goes for at home and at the firehouse. I have to accept uh, the input of my kids, my wife, 
um, and those around me. And I also have to, at the station, I have to accept the input of, of my crew, both on the scene and back at the station, uh, so that they know that their, their input, that their, their feedback is valued. Um, and guess what? I'm not going to have all the right answers and, and you're not going to have all the right answers. So we need to make sure uh, that we are uh, letting, as Chief Frank Discuso says, we let the best idea win uh, so that the team wins. And that's what's really most important. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned getting feedback and input. And it, it's it's easy. It, it can be easy to say, but it, it's one of those practices that is difficult to do because there's if if the leader is disconnected, then it doesn't produce good results. Mm-hmm. It doesn't uh, can actually lead to more dangerous uh, scenarios. So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think getting that feedback and it's like having this this interaction of being connected with those around you and yeah. understanding what their challenges, what their needs, what what their um, what their wants are. And if you don't have this this feedback loop, it's like communication is that loop. And if if you're not connected with them and understand how they perceive you, how your actions impact them, it can just lead to, it's just ineffective leadership. And it, mm-hmm. it produces ineffective results. That's right. That's right. And when people might be scared <laughs> to give their feedback, right? Oh. And then they're not, they don't trust you to give their feedback. They can't communicate. Um, you know, they don't, they might not respect you. Uh, that's, uh, there's a, there's a deeper problem there, um, that is causing that, that breakdown. And, and I always say that, you know, uh, trust, communication, respect are all interrelated. So, uh, right. if you're, if you're not communicating, you can't build trust. And if you don't trust someone, you're not going to effectively communicate with them. And if you don't have those two, then you're not going to respect that person. Uh, whether they hold formal rank or not, you're not going to respect that person. Uh, so the main reason I wanted to have you on the podcast was to discuss your book, of course, the promotion playbook. I read through it. It was awesome. And I love your methodology and your strategies and how you break it down. And what I really loved about it was the practical application and all the like worksheets and tables and questions that you pose to to the reader that actually gives them um, space and, and time to to write out you know, each exercise that you have for them. Uh, because I'm big on action. I'm big on putting it, everything into action that yeah. I read or I learn. Um, and it's not just a book to where you read it and you're like, okay, that was, that was some good information. Uh, on the, on the contrary, you have the reader really go through these exercises and dive in deeply. Um, but I don't want to get too far down that path. Uh, but, uh, first I want you to tell our listeners why you wrote this book. Excellent. Yeah. So, so why I wrote the promotion playbook and thank you for that, for that feedback. Because it's it's um, gives me encouragement that, that you found it helpful. That was part of my reason for for adding all the tools. Is I know that firefighters typically like to get stuff done. It tend to be more practical in terms of their approach to things. So if I were to just write a book about theory or some someone's story or my story, it it wouldn't be nearly as impactful as um, providing practical tools. So it's kind of like it's kind of designed as a tool book that as the readers do it, I'm hoping that they'll read the story, then they'll put the strategies in the practice. And then there's all these different skills that they can practice in preparation for a promotional test. Mm -hmm. So why I wrote the book is like going back in my fire service careers, I started it in 2003 and I was actually fortunate. I started up in Vail, Colorado. They have a resident firefighter program. 
And um, I had a college degree and I'd worked for the Marriott for a couple of years before I, my older brother's a firefighter in, in Flagstaff, Arizona. And he's always been a mentor to me and someone I looked up to. And he got into the fire service well ahead of me. And so I, after college, I worked uh, with the Marriott and then I was like, you know, I want to, I want to follow this profession as a way to contribute and to give and to grow. And I just became really fascinated by the fire service. So I tested with Vail Fire back in 2003 and I was fortunate because out of 300 people, I scored at the top of the list and I got number one. Mm. I'll remember that phone call for the, for the rest of my life because, and the, the technician called me and he, and he, he said, uh, he said, Hey, you're the top dog. You place number one. <laughs> and, and I was hanging out with one of the other guys that I, I tested with and he didn't do as well. So it was, I was like this moment of like, wow. And, ah, and, and it was really, it was humbling, but it was also a really great experience. 300 mm -hmm. people tested. I got number one, there was an academy starting. I got a spot right away as a resident firefighter. So I was feeling pretty good about that. And I started the academy and, and there's a lot of things I didn't, you know, it was, a, it was challenging some things well, other things not so well. I'm sure anybody that starts out in the fire service, like to be expected to know, uh, you know, emergency medicine, extrication, uh, structure fire, wildland fire, like all this different stuff. I, I was humbled pretty quick after that, that peak of being, all right, I'm number one. And all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I just need to survive this academy. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, man, now I need to get a full-time job. And I started testing against all these departments. I think like a lot of people that get into it is that I, I tested for multiple departments in Colorado and eventually ended up coming back home to Arizona because I have a lot of family and friends still here. It's my what my home state. I was looking at settling in like a 20, 30 year career. I was like, I, I kind of prefer to be closer to family. So I moved and in 2005, I got hired um, with Sedona Fire District and I was really grateful for that. I tested well. I got within the first group of hiring. And so I got hired as a firefighter and um, was pretty good at that. Uh, with that test, I did well and then started my career. Uh, a few years later came a captain test. And I had a lot of a moderate amount of experience because I went through paramedic school. I got a um, college degree in fire science, one in paramedicine. I was on the technical rescue team, um, doing tons of training and tons of, of things to, to develop my career. And I was like, I'm ready to promote to captain. And in 2010, went through this captain test. I didn't prepare very well, ended up failing it. And it was, uh, it was kind of a humbling experience. It was hard um, just because, you know, I was hoping to do better and I didn't. And so that was part of my why was that I had this history of, of doing well. And then I kind of hit this adversity and the setback with the test of like, you know, maybe I don't understand this piece of it. I kind of mm -hmm. got a grasp of what it takes to get hired, even though it took a lot of, it took uh, a lot of different testing, a lot of refinements, fair amount of setbacks. But then I, I um, after I failed, and this was kind of like one of my big shifts that I mentioned in the introduction of the book is that I failed the test a few years later, I was getting ready to test again. And, and I kind of had like this reserve around it because I had kind of this this, this scar from testing in the past mm -hmm. captain test. I had an engineer test. I didn't do that great on. And I was a little bit like, uh, I guess my ego was bruised and, and a little bit battered from, from going through these tests. And I was kind of like, you know, maybe promotion is just not my thing. So it, before my, my promotion in 2016, I was going through all of this stuff 
And my, my why behind this book came to me when, when I was walking with my wife. And it was like, it was a, a, a sunny day, we're out walking, and I'm, I'm just venting to her. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know about this. I don't know if I want to test. It's stressful. It's extra work. Do I really, I don't need the pay raise. I got a great crew. I'm going through all this stuff about why I don't know if I want to promote. And then she stops. She looks at me and she, she used my full name. She goes, she goes, Joshua, she goes, this isn't about you. She says, I need you to rise up and be the leader that God has called you to be. And it was like, that was like a huge turning point for me, which I mentioned at the start of this, this, this podcast of like, before that, I think I was kind of more inwardly focused than I, than uh, I still did a lot of things well, but in terms of promotion, I was kind of focused on myself and with her insight, it, it was this, like I shifted my focus outward mm. and it was like, it's not about me. And I started to look around. I mentioned my older brother earlier and he had, he had um, recently taken a test and he didn't do very well at it. He got passed up by some younger firefighter. And then I looked at, um, the, guy, the engineer that I was working with, he had recently failed a captain test. And then I looked at, um, you know, a lot of other people that I worked with and I was surrounded by these firefighters that were really great firefighters. They, they, they fit, everybody would like to see them succeed at promotional tests, but when it came to promotion, they sucked and they totally botched the test. Mm. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily because they weren't good leaders. It was more because they get to an oral board and they would like stumble over their words or they didn't turn in a letter in time and then they get disqualified from the process or they, uh, you know, they didn't study for a written test and the written test takes them out. And so for my, my why came about is that I want to help to serve others to navigate this process of promotional tests, because there's a lot of great content that's out there in terms of leadership and development and how to prepare for these tests. Um, but there wasn't like a whole comp comprehensive approach that addresses a lot of these, these kind of unseen things that can take you out. So uh, I created this and it was, you know, this, the book is based on a story. It's got seven strategies and then it's got this toolbox at the end and it's all designed as like this metaphoric, the metaphor, the metaphor behind it is a proven path to your promotion. And so mm. if you follow if you, if you understand the best stories that you have to tell, you implement the strategies, and then you apply the skill set, then it's going to best prepare you. In addition to doing all the other stuff you need, um, it can best help you. And so, so from that, I created, I started to put this together, and I got to see a lot of success around me with my, my brother ended up getting a successful promotion. I was honored to help him with his oral boards. My, um, there's some other firefighters that I work with in my department. And then firefighters from other departments, I started helping them with, with what I learned. And, and it really um, was really fulfilling to see these results. So I was like, well, how can I help more people? So then I ended up create, putting it into a book format and putting it out there. I was also one of the other people I got to help was my cousin, Dylan, who works down with Northwest Fire, uh, just north of Tucson. So I got to help him succeed with a captain test. And then my, my other cousin got hired with Phoenix Fire using a lot of the stuff in the book. And then of course, other people that aren't family, like fire service family, have been able to help with it. Yeah, it really is awesome. And it, it definitely lays out a, a comprehensive approach, as you said. Um, it's not just uh, one thing or the other. It just has everything laid out in and in, like you said, a pathway 
for people to follow. And it's very simple, very practical. And if people put in the work and they do the exercises and, and assignments within it, uh, they will be successful. So uh, there is so much info in this book. How would you tell readers to approach it? How should they use it? Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you asked. So, so part of this is um, like, there's a quote that, that uh, success is 80% mindset and 20% skill set. And so the book addresses that with three, there's like three sections to the book. There's, there's story, there's strategy, and there's skills. And so the story and the strategies are designed for like the mindset and the beliefs. And then the skills is the more practical skills. So you'll see section one starts with the story of a character uh, named Jake. And it talks about firefighter Jake and his path on his, his journey on this path to promotion. And that story leads into the seven strategies. And then there's the seven strategies, and which is like seven different chapters of the book. And with each strategy, it tells the story of how Jake learned it. And then it gives a, a practical exercise, like a writing exercise that you can put into practice for that strategy. So the, the story and the strategy kind of take you on this path to prom hopefully promotional test success. Not guaranteed you're going to promote the first time, but if you stick with it, it's going to just give you a proven path to follow. And then the skill set is there's the game day toolbox, which is all about some of the practical skills that you may encounter on your test. It's, it's not all in, encompassing, um, but depending on what you're testing for, there's a lot of good tools to develop your writing skills, your speaking skills, um, the study skills. And then the last one is like application. So it can be applied to any position from firefighter up to chief. It's probably, um, the, the toolbox is probably more for like a company officer test, but it has helped. I've been able to help with people with engineer tests and passing it on to firefighters are looking to get hired. It is, it can be helpful for that too. Like, oh, yeah. It's like the, the toolbox is primarily it's about improving your communication skills. And um, if you develop those, it's going to it'll help with any test. Oh, yeah, it definitely will. And I want to dive into the seven strategies you talked about. Uh, so tell us briefly what they are and how we can use them to prepare on our pathway to promotion. Yeah, so the seven strategies. So, so metaphorically, it's like this path. And if you read the first part of the book, section one, it introduces the story and the story is laid out on the, this mount, this hike up to this mountain. And so if you follow the book, it all kind of follows this metaphorical journey so that ultimately you start at the bottom, you commit to walk in the path, and then up at the top, you reach the summit and you get the, um, you, you get the prize of your successful promotion. And then all of them, there's all these things that happen in between it. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, Jim, because it, it, a lot of these really coincide with the firefighter success book. I was looking through this. And so the seven strategies, instead of using C, the letter C, like you do in the success book, I use the letter P. Yeah, to, I noticed that. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so so I'll just take, uh, if it works, I'll just go through each of them real quick and just give a summary of, of how they apply. Sounds great. Okay. Yeah. So the first one, so, so there's seven, you can best remember it with, with the letter P they all start with the letter P. And again, it's the seven strategies kind of define the mindset in your preparation for the test. So the first one is path and it's about committed and you'll, you'll see similarities. If you compare the firefighter success book, the 20, the 20 C's of success, there's, you'll kind of see these intertwined throughout these seven strategies. So the first one is path. You have to commit to a path 
one of the biggest flaws I see is that people take a test half-heartedly. And if you don't commit all in early, you're really not giving yourself the best chance of success. And so first off, whenever people are thinking about testing, they ask me if I can help them. I'm like, well, you have to commit your time, your money, and your effort wholeheartedly into this test. And if you're not, then it doesn't matter. My book or whatever programs are available aren't going to give you aren't going to be as helpful as they can be. So the first one is path. You have to choose a path and you have to commit to that path. The next one is proximity. And that applies to your community. And then also having a coach to kind of tie these in with, with the firefighter excellencies is that um, proximity is that you surround yourself with the best people and the best places. Mm. So proximity is that you, you're intentional about who your mentors are, who your crew is, who's going to coach you and also how you're going to give back to those groups. And you're intentional about the space that you're at. Like one of the things that really helped me with my promotion was that I moved to a station that had a track record of helping people um, promote. And that was one of, one of the foundational things that really helped me is I had a great captain that helped me. My, I ended up pairing up with the engineer and we ended up working together and I got promoted. I made number one on the captain's list when I got promoted. And then the, the engineer that I worked with ended up getting number three. Oh, nice. And, and so that was really good. And before that, I did an engineer test. And the guy that I worked with got number one. And then I got number three. And so having that accountability partner, that, that like steady buddy is really important. So that that's uh, proximity. Next one is prize. And prize is all about clarity and being very specific on what the test consists of. and and then creating the next one is plan is that you have a specific plan and consistently follow that plan. So plan is to consistently do the work. One of the big concepts with plan is that you don't, uh, you don't take your promotion as like a home run is you, you don't want to show up and just try to knock it out of the park. Um, it's more important to focus on consistent, like hitting a single every single day leading up to your test, uh, 365 days a year, every day you show up to shift, you do your best and eventually that's going to add up. So that's, that's plan. And then purpose is, is about conviction. Uh, pit is courage be, because you're going to hit adversity. And when you hit that adversity, you need to navigate through it. So it doesn't derail you. And then peak uh, is to celebrate it and not just celebrate the top, but celebrate uh, along the way and have compassion, like compassion for yourself and for others. And, um, so those are the seven. So path, proximity, prize, plan, purpose, pit, and peak. And there is, um, there's kind of, I'd mentioned the, the art of fulfillment and the science of achievement is you'll see these kind of interwoven throughout the seven strategies is when you get to the end of it, knowing your purpose, um, working through the pit and celebrating the peak are kind of more like heart, um, more at the heart. And the other ones are more logical, like focus specifically on getting results. Mm, yeah, I mean, as our listeners are listening, I mean, it, it is definitely that comprehensive approach uh, to developing yourself and really taking um, an inventory and having some honest introspection about yourself, your career, what you've achieved thus far, uh, what you're capable of, what your potential is. Um, that's why I really like the book is because you have to really ask yourself your, those questions. You know, what is my purpose behind uh, my fire service career behind, uh, what is the purpose behind me going for this promotion? Uh, what is my plan going to be? 
and I do like that you said celebrate the peak, right? And we also look back and we celebrate the journey that got us to the peak, right? Because uh, it's great to you know end up number one or to to get that promotion. Uh, but as we all know, uh, that when we get that promotion, you know, that's when the real work begins and we're challenged in a whole new different way. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so it's it's really great that you brought those up. And I also want to dive a little bit deeper into something you mentioned already called the game day toolbox. Yeah. And you said there's there's four skills. There's study skills, speaking skills, writing skills and application skills. And this is towards the end of your book um, to where we can really uh, put all, all the ideas and concepts into action um, and start developing and really uh, fleshing them out. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, kind of talk a little bit more about each of those study skills, speaking skills, writing skills, and application skills. If you could maybe give us maybe one practical way that we could develop ourselves uh, in each of those areas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. So, so before I do that, there was something that I was going to mention on the seven strategies is is the champion mindset. I, I just want to throw that word out there before yeah. we get on to the game nice. toolbox. Is like hopefully you can develop with those seven strategies will help you to develop that that champion mindset that applies not just for your promotion, but it, it's those like for firefighter success that can be applied in your career and your family and whatever else you're looking to to do well within your life. Amen. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the game day toolbox. So yeah, so the skills is it, it breaks it down into the, the practical skills. And so if you know if if you're not into the story and you have a different way of preparing your mindset, then you can just the book can be super practical, is just jump right to the game day toolbox. And the toolbox is it's focused on like there's four skills that you need to develop for your promotional test. You have to study because there's likely going to be some form of written exam. You have to speak well because that applies to like doing the oral boards and uh, presentations, things like that. And then writing is a big part of any promotion, even if it's just an email or a cover letter, like you have to develop the skill of writing. And then application skills is where you can do just about anything else. In the book, I give some size up templates. Um, I give some guidance for in-basket exercises, um, role-play scenarios. I have some guides for those, but it, it's certainly not all-encompassing because if you're taking, um, you know, a test for engineer or or the driver operator position, it, it's going to be different than if you're testing for company officer, which will be different than if you're testing for, um, you know, like a fire chief position. So. It's flexible, but those foundational things is that you have to study, you have to speak, you have to write, and then you have to prepare with the application skills. And then, um, so that's what it is. And so if you, if you go through it, there's there's these writing exercises. There's two parts to it. There's guidelines that kind of tell you how to prepare, like under study, there's a guideline on, on how to prepare for the written test, if you have a written test. Um, and then there's also... Um, like exercises that you can print out and you can write out and you can get practice with them. Did you would say you want me to give an, like a specific example of one of them? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So the one that I think would be the most helpful and right now on the promotionplaybook.com, um, it'll be active. It should be active when you listen to this and it, depending on if you listen to it within the time that it was recording right now, it's near the end of 2022. Um, I'm going to keep up until the end of the year, I'll keep this game day toolbox. Um, it, it's a, I actually created an oral board toolkit. 
So one of the biggest things that I see people struggle with is, is, is doing well with an oral board. So a lot of firefighters that are great firefighters, but when it comes to selling themselves, they're like, I don't want to talk about myself. I don't want to sell myself. So I don't want to do the oral board. And then they get to the oral board and they do a terrible job of selling themselves. And then they don't get in the position that they would be the best at because they're too humble about it. And they just don't develop this skill set. And so mm-hmm. part, part of that is the, um, if you go to the promotionplaybook.com, uh, there, there's, I give you some of these tools and a little bit of extra guidance with it. The one tool that I, I think is the most beneficial. So if, if you listen to this whole podcast, um, the one tool that's been the most beneficial is uh, the oral board prep sheets. And it basically just gives you a format to prepare to do a comprehensive approach to an oral board. There's three parts to it. You have to know yourself, you have to know the position, and you have to know the department that you're testing for. So if you have a great understanding of yourself, of the position, and the department or the organization, then uh, you can, and you're able to speak to those three areas, then you have a much better chance of doing well with the oral board than if you just show up without doing that homework. So it's called the oral board prep sheets. And it's basically just these three different pages to do. It kind of shows you the homework to do so that you prepare, you understand yourself, you understand the position and you understand the department. And then under each of those is you gather the facts, you gather the stories, and then anything else that would be relevant to it. I guess like you have goals with each of those. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I always love practical ways that we can uh, put put everything into action. And uh, your book definitely has a ton of that. Uh, and you are 100% correct in saying that firefighters are not good at oral boards. We are, we are task-oriented people. We like to solve problems. But when it comes to, as you said, selling ourselves with, with uh, the balance of humility and confidence and all that good stuff, it can be quite difficult. Uh, but it's an art form. Uh, that we yeah. need to to master, and you give everybody the right way to go about mastering it, uh, and uh, they will definitely be successful uh, throughout their oral board. And I, I do want to talk a little bit more about game day. You know, we just talked about the game day toolbox, but I want to talk about game day or testing day, where almost everyone who goes through the process, they're nervous, they're anxious. Um, they might, might be sick to their stomach. Uh, so what advice do you have to help them relax and be confident? Yeah. So anxiety, I, I think the, the, the first thing about that is understanding that, that the anxiety is there to serve you. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to, there's, there's like that metaphor of like, everybody has butterflies. They just, you just have to get them to fly in the same direction. <laughs> so, I like that. <laughs> I, I don't, I, someone said that quote, I don't remember who that came from, but it's like this concept is that realizing that the anxiety is there to serve you. And if you're testing and you're not anxious, then it probably doesn't mean that much to you. And you're probably not going to do that well, because it's, it's a gift. And so being able to harness that, I guess, compare it to like butterflies, you could compare it to like a fire, like you feel that fire in your belly. And if you can direct that fire, there's, there's a tremendous amount of power that exist in anxiety. Um, now that being said, um, it's there to serve you. So that's the first thing is understand the frame is that it's not a problem. Like I know people that like, they feel that discomfort. And the first thing they want to do is sedate it. They're like, Hey, I even heard, I've heard like 
you know, through conversations throughout my career of people like, man, how do you deal with the nerves going into a test or oral board or something? And I've even heard the advice of someone's like, you know, take a shot of uh, vodka. (laughs) (laughs) That might not go too well, especially if uh, you're shaking hands and someone's smelling your breath. Yeah. Just to be clear, that's not the advice I'm giving. (laughs) Like, like vodka or like, you know, there's talks of of taking like a beta blocker that's going to slow your heart rate or like, it's this concept of trying to sedate it as opposed to using it uh, to serve you. And so like, you don't want to suppress it. That being said, you want to be able to harness it and direct it so that it's there as a benefit and not something that's going to derail you. Because if, if you're not prepared, so, so the first part is the frame of it, it's there to serve you. But the next part is preparation because if you haven't trained um, and there's kind of two parts of training is, is one is repetition. And then two is doing, uh, it's called time under tension. Like you have to train with stress. And if you're not training with repetition and you're not training in stressful environments, then that those, those butterflies are all going to overtake you. And like, you know, you'd be in the middle of oral board and there'd be like flying all around you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they might attack you in the middle of it and then you know, <laughs> batting them away and everybody think you're crazy. So, um, so preparation is the, is the other part. And there's that quote I've heard that, that a lot of the Navy SEALs, it's common. I've heard it attributed to the Navy SEALs training is they say, you, you don't, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to your mm-hmm. level of training. That's right. And so I think that's very true is like, you need to train, you have to get the repetition, you have to spend time under tension, you have to put yourself in stressful environments. And if you do that, and if you do that to a level that's above uh, test day, then w- when you go to test it, the nerves should be there, but you can smile and embrace them. And, and it can be more, more comfortable than just like this overwhelming sense of, of, uh, of testing. And anxiety. So preparation um, is absolutely critical and you have to do the work in advance. So one of the differences I mentioned that I failed the test in 2010 and I didn't adequately prepare. And I just kind of figured I would be like, I just kind of figured I could just work my way through it. And I really struggled. Uh, I got pretty, I, I had some moderate anxiety that I had to deal with during that. I didn't perform well and it didn't help. But then fast forward to the one that I placed number one at is I had prepared so much. I was stressed out for like three months leading up to the test. <laughs> and then come test day, I was just like, oh, <laughs> it's a lot it easier is, than I thought. It's go time. <laughs> yeah. I was just like walking around like, oh, it's just another, like it, it was really smooth and, and people could feel it. Like they're like, this guy's done the work, he's prepared and, and it showed with the results. Oh man, that's some great advice. You know, use those butterflies, use that stress, that, that anxiety for good, channel it in the right direction uh, because everyone has that. Uh, there's not one candidate <laughs> that does not have some type of test day anxiety. Um, also what you says is preparation. That is just the hallmark of everything. Uh, not only for game day, for interview day, for testing day, but also for everything we do as firefighters, right? It's all about preparation. It's all about training. It's all about repetition to get those reps in uh, to be successful when that time comes, when we have to use that training and what we've prepared for. Uh, and then the last thing, if I, if you don't mind, I'll add one thing that I, one of the best pieces of advice I ever received when it comes to um, giving your, or being part of an interview and, and having to talk about yourself, uh, from Chief Joe Hafer at my fire department, he said, 
speak from your body of work, right? Speak from what you have done, speak from your experience. Uh, and if you can't really do that, then maybe you shouldn't be there, right? So uh, you have to calmly find how, find out how, like you said, to make yourself shine, make sure that they see you as the number one candidate. And one of the ways you can do that is just calmly speak from your body of work and what you've achieved in your experience. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's why it's painful and it's frustrating to see somebody that you know would do so well in the job. They have a tremendous body of work, but they get to a test process and they totally, it doesn't come out. Right. And so being able to speak from your body of work, I think is really great advice. And it comes with, in order to do that, you have to prepare. And so like right. you mentioned, I mentioned uh, time under tension and how to do it. And it, it, it's like, it's one of the benefits of, of technology today it is um, you can video record yourself doing these questions and uh, doing videos and then watching your videos and then also going and interviewing with other crews, typically it's not very comfortable. I, I'm still uncomfortable doing, a li- like I'll listen to this podcast and I'll be like, oh gosh, <laughs> I could have done this better. I could have said that better. And uh, I don't think that that critic in your head ever goes away. But if you, if, you, if you watch yourself on video, you listen to yourself speaking, you can refine it and make it better over time. And then, you're, then you can practice and then you can be rehearsed so that you can speak from your body of work because it's... Uh, yeah, I wrote this book for firefighters that are prepared for the position. They just don't understand how to get through the process. Yeah. It's it's not for someone to show up and fake their way to do it. Like I'm hoping that if you're listening to this and you're, you're considering a promotion, that you have a good body of work that prepares you for that position because you don't want to fake your way through a promotion and then get the promotion and find out, you know, have a miserable career and have have it not go well for you. So that's exactly true. And uh, last question for you. You've been a great guest, and I, I'm sure you're going to hit this one out of the park. But you've been a captain since your since 2016, correct? And and you've been able to yep. be in your formal leadership role for several years now. So, what is the most important lesson you have learned that you can pass on to all the future leaders who are listening today? Oh, good. This is a good one. So I'm going to summarize it into one uh, one thing. It's it's kind of a branch of this focusing on other people, because that was one of the things that helped me with, with helping with my captain promotion. And it's helped me with the career is that focusing outward. And it's not about me being a good, uh, you know, being good at my position. There, there's an element as I have to be competent, but it's more about understanding others and, and helping and serving. You mentioned servant leadership. And one of the biggest thing that screws us up, like one of the I guess I could say one of the biggest lessons I've learned is the importance of one-on-one communication. Yeah. Because nothing can derail a career more than, than a disagreement or an argument or, or like this fight between people. And it happens organizationally. The fire service is very political. It's very relational. And we like to hold grudges. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, people like to hold grudges. People like to gossip. People like to, to clue. We like to fight. There's a lot of type A personalities. And the one thing I've, I've learned, I've had to learn it multiple times, is like whenever you start to see one of those things develop, like a disagreement with someone or, you know, maybe banter about something or maybe an upset, 
is that you should drop if if this didn't happen from a one on one conversation, you should always fall back to that base level of interpersonal communication at the one on one level, because yeah. where I've seen problems is in emails, group text, um, group email, like it, whenever there's communication in email and text, even social media, like there's there's a lot of potential problems that can surface because yeah. it's not you don't understand people's intent. You don't understand that where they're at. And there's so many problems that can just be solved by picking up the phone or going to the station and visiting the person. It's not easy. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but being like, um, you're going back to what I mentioned earlier about being authentic is you just have to, uh, you know, be real about where you are and address that person one-on-one or that group of people. And that there's, as technology advances, there's really no substitute for, for that authentic, interper- like one-on-one communication is, I guess, um, what I would pass on is that don't, don't neglect that because mm-hmm. so much can be lost in group text, group emails, social media. Um, if, if you're not able to relate to someone on a one-on-one level, then it's going to be harder to connect. And there can be a lot of problems that stem from indirect communication. Mm, that's that's very well said. And I couldn't agree more because like you said, and that's how you started off the podcast, what true leadership is, it's it's building those relationships and, and building that trust, that communication, that respect. So I love how we, we got to come full circle on that. Well, Captain Josh Wells, thanks again for joining me on the Firefighter Success Podcast. You are a great guest. Let everyone know how they can get your book and how they can connect with you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's an honor to be here because I really am a really big fan of your work and what you've done and, and how you've served and given all these resources to the fire service. So um, it's an honor to be here. And if you want to get more tools or resources, the first place to go is you can go to um, Amazon and you can buy the, the books available as a paper copy or you can buy it as a Kindle. And just recently, I made the audiobook available also. And the audiobook um, it has the PDF guide to it. So it has all the tools to it also. Um, so Amazon, you can get all three formats there. Uh, the other thing is that I've been doing the uh, the promotion playbook podcast. And that's how I got in touch with Jim is that he was a guest. And so you can go back and listen to his advice with the firefighter success book and also how it applies to a promotional test on the promotion playbook uh, podcast which is available on iTunes and Spotify and most platforms you can, you can go to the podcast. And then the final resource is promotionplaybook.com. And um, up until the end of this year, maybe it'll keep going is, is I've created an Ouroboard toolkit. So if, if you opt in there, there's a, there's a number of videos and stuff I can send you to help specifically with, with Ouroboards. Well, perfect, man. So many resources, so little time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I did the audio book because I love books. I, I really enjoyed the process of, of, of writing this book, even though it took 10 times longer than I thought. And it, you know, it adapted multiple times, but I enjoyed the process. But uh, I tend to listen to a lot of books by audio just because I like, you know, I may be working in my garage or doing something around the house, doing chores. And it's kind of nice just to listen also. So that that's and there's people learn different through different formats. So I'm hoping that the audiobook will be a nice addition. Excellent, excellent. Well, to all those out there listening, stay fit, stay safe, and remember when lives depend on us, success 
is our only option. Thanks for listening to the Firefighter Success Podcast. Go to firefightersuccessbook.com to learn more about the book, Firefighter Success, 20 C's to Firefighter Excellence. At the website, you can also download the free special report, 101 Rules for Firefighter Success.